Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Welcome once again. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's NFL and college football cards. And Victor, as far as football seasons and excitement go, it couldn't get any better than it started thus far this year. You got that, Mark. Uh, it's absolutely correct. Uh, we did okay with our over-unders last weekend, and we pretty much split down the middle in the NFL, but we did hit our college game of the month. And that was over the total in the right. Sun Belt game between Appalachian State and James Madison. That game ended up going over the total by a couple of points. So we're uh, very pleased with the result of that particular game. But somebody, uh, Mark, here in the playbook offices had a really, really good weekend. And I'm <laughs> and I'm talking. Six and O weekend combined college football in the NFL. And I know Mark's not going to say a lot about it because that's not the kind of guy he is. But someone's got to at least take a minute to mention the great weekend. First off, three and O in college football. Three star underdog play on James Madison, who got the outright underdog win over Appalachian State, the Mountaineers game that I just talked about 30 seconds ago. The three-star on the Florida Gators getting the double digits against Tennessee, and they had that furious fourth-quarter comeback where they didn't win the game, but at least they got the ATS number. They lost by five as underdogs of plus 10 to plus 11 in that game. And, in fact, they outstanded Tennessee in that game as well. And then what about that beautiful Saturday night game? Five-star game of the month. Kansas State plus two touchdowns against Oklahoma didn't even need the points as the Jayhawks won. In college football that has a winning road record in Oklahoma, in Norman, six and five lifetime. That's Kansas State. Mark knew about that. And again, they had the outright win, a beautiful five-star game of the month and a great way to finish the month of September. And then in the NFL on Sunday, three-star Indianapolis Colts, home underdog against Kansas City. That was a sharp play. You saw the line in that game go down. At one point, Kansas City was almost, what, a seven-point road favorite. Went down to four and a half. Colts pulled off the outright upset win. Very nicely played there, as was the three-star play on another home underdog, Tennessee Titans, who got the win against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then finally, Mark had that four-star NFL game of the week, Green Bay Packers on the road against Tampa Bay. They outstanded the Buccaneers. They won 14-12. to They were getting a couple of points. So, again, what a great way to finish the, the month of September, Mark, 6-0. And before we head into our college football segment, anything else you want to say to wrap up that great uh, weekend? Well, there's nothing like the dogs, Victor. And on our daily coffee club, we changed a little message that we have in there. And it's basically what I put in there, my golden rule. And it's that 
three things can happen when you bet on a dog and two of them are good. And it really worked out good for all the dog lovers last week. And I know you're a dog lover. I know our listeners out there, if they're not, they're becoming dog lovers as well. So all in all, I'll take that each and every weekend. And thanks for the kudos. Really appreciate that. Nice. Very nice. And in our college football review, Mark, it was a good week for the underdogs, of course, 33-26-1 against the spread. Home dogs, not so much, 8-8 eight and eight against the spread. It was the road dogs who did very well, 25-17-1 against the spread. And year-to-date, it's still not a doggy year. Quite favorites are still on top. 109-97-4 ATS is the record. For favorites thus far. And if you remember two weeks ago, Mark, we were talking about those really big favorites and how well they did in college football. Two weeks ago, they went nine and one against the spread. Those big, big favorites of 25 or more points. I'm sure you'll remember we talked about that. Yes. Well, if you followed that pattern this last Saturday, you had a bad day because home favorites of 21 or more points last week only went five, nine, and one against the spread. And uh, my vote for the most embarrassing of those home favorites probably has to be our hometown boys down here in uh, Miami. And that would be the Hurricanes, who were hosting Middle Tennessee State, the Blue Raiders, as a 25-and-a-half-point favorite. And not only did Miami not cover the game, but they didn't win the game. In fact, they lost by double digits. They lost by 14 points in the game. They were outstanding, 507 to 367. And it turned out to be a horrific, ugly ATS loss of 39 and a half points. Victor, not only that, they also never led in the football game. And I came across this, and I had to tweet this out, that when Middle Tennessee State won the game, I think the regents at Middle Tennessee State probably weren't all that surprised, just given the fact that Middle Tennessee State has never lost a football game against Miami of Florida. They played them three times. They won all three games on the scoreboard. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, also, Mark, I might add that if I had any sort of observations from last week in college football, for me, it seems like the fact that the uh, coaching carousel is pretty much in full swing. You know, these days we're getting something like, what, one college football coach fired each week just about. Last seems week it was yep. Georgia Tech's coach Jeff Collins. Two weeks ago it was Herm Edwards of Arizona State. Three weeks ago it was Scott Frost from Nebraska. Now, actually, these were three of the four hot seat coaches going into the season even. And you could probably say another guy who was on the hot seat was uh, the fourth guy, Auburn's uh, Brian Harson, And he could very well have joined that trio of other guys if Missouri had not fumbled a likely game-winning play in overtime last week uh, in that game. And, of course, you know, if Harson. Uh, falls to LSU this Saturday, he could be that Power 5 coach that is canned this particular weekend. If you give me, or if you ask me, Mark, for a short list of some of the guys on the hot seat, obviously uh, Harson from Auburn would be at the top of my list. I might also include perhaps Carl Durrell of Colorado. And the Buffaloes, of course, they're down to their third-string quarterback already, that true freshman, uh, the kid Owen McCowan. 
and they have not generated a heck of a lot of points. So I'd say Carl Durrell is probably on the hot seat. I think Scott Satterfield of Louisville is on the hot seat. I would say the same for Elia Drinkwitz at Missouri, uh, who, again, had that crucial fumble in overtime last week. And the fourth guy is a guy that, uh, you know, we got a couple of tweets about this week, and that would probably, Mark, be Andy Avalos of Boise State. You know, he entered the season with basically zero job pressure whatsoever. But if you watched that Friday night game, it was one of the uglier games we have seen in college football when uh, they lost 27-10, to 10, Boise did, to Texas El Paso, a game in which they generated only 177 yards and prompted Avalos to fire offensive coordinator Tim Plough and replace him with former uh, Boise State uh, coach Kurt, uh, Dirk Cotter. So, again, I would probably, I think you'd probably be in agreement that Avalos from Boise State is probably on the short list of the coaching hot seats as well. I think he has to be, Victor. I don't know what poison they're putting in the food at Boise State these days, but this offense has completely disappeared from the Broncos here, and it has to move Avalos up on the list. Just incidentally, on the playbooksports.com website, we do a poll that people can interact with. And our poll question this week is, who will be the next college football coach to be fired? You can go cast your vote among the those that Victor mentioned. There's one or two other extras on there. And let us know who you think will be the next college football coach to be pink-slipped this football season. And, Victor, before we move over to the NFL side of things, my observation on the college football card last week is this. There were an abundance of inside-out football winners last week, and I talk about this annually on the show, and they're very critical. They're very important from a handicapping aspect, and now that we're into October, it's really critical that you look inside the numbers at how these football teams are doing. We do that in our midweek alert statistical newsletter, and we found last week that this abundance of teams that won football games yet lost the yards it's mind-blowing. I think there were 16 or 18 of them on last week's college football card. And I would say that the red alert would have to go out on the football game again with Tulane. Uh, they lost to Southern Mississippi as a double-digit favorite last week, despite the fact that they out-yarded them by almost 200 yards in the game. You can read all about that take on that inside this week's midweek alert newsletter. And then again, that Boise State issue about this offense just averaging 283 yards a game against Texas El Paso last week. They were a 16-point favorite, as you mentioned, Victor, and they got drilled in the stats, 322 to 177 yards. There's no excuse for that, what's going on at Boise State, and he could well be the next coach that gets fired if this doesn't get turned around real quick. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping video and podcast show. And now with that, Victor, let's move over to the NFL side of things. And what we have learned from last week's football card, I'll let you kick it off, if you will. Right. Another good week for the underdogs in the NFL. Not only did they go 10-5-1 against the spread, including the three I mentioned at the top of the show that Mark had on his NFL card, but they also went nine and seven straight up even. The one tie was the Houston Texans were a three-point dog against Chicago. And as you know, they lost 23 to 20. But again, underdogs, 10, 5, and 1 ATS, 9 and 7 straight up. 
Road Dogs, five, one, and one. Home Dogs, only five and four. And that brings us to a situation which has been dynamic in the NFL. In just the last couple seasons, Road Dogs have been extremely hot in the NFL. In fact, since the start of last year, especially in non-division play, non-division Road Dogs, last two years, 65 48 and 2 ATS. That's right around 60%. That includes 58, 35 and 1, 64% for non division road dogs of less than 10 points. And then I've got a little tightener out of our database. These dogs have gone 25 and 8 ATS when playing off a straight up and ATS loss. That's 76% against the spread. And in fact, there are three of them going this particular week. And uh, those dogs would be Seattle on the road against Detroit, Jets on the road against Pittsburgh, and Arizona on the road against uh, Carolina. All three qualify in that hot road dog system over the last two years, which has gone 25 and eight. Well, pretty strong numbers, especially like you mentioned, Victor, for the non-division type football teams uh, doing very, very well. What I learned in last week's football card is almost a reiteration of what I talked about on the college football card last week. Once again, an abundance of inside-out stat winners in the National Football League last week. Nine teams, that's nine teams of the 16 games that played, won the game and lost the stats in the National Football League. Three of them, if you will, Lost by over 100 yards in those football games, yet won the football games. You can check out who all those are inside the Midweek Alert Football Newsletter this week, which is an absolute must-have because now is the time when you need to incorporate your statistics into your style of handicapping to make you a better handicapper and getting ready for the football season from now until the end of the regular season. And one more quick segment, if we were, quick mention, I should say, Victor, here, from our good friend Steve Crabb, also known as the Texas Tornado down in Dallas, Texas. And I know they go through a few tornadoes down there. We've had tornadoes here in on the greater Miami area, and we apologize to any listeners out there. If this video cast is uh, sort of freezing or breaking up on you, it's because we are dead center here in South Florida with the hurricanes going on right now. Fortunately for us, for Victor and I, and our families were on the opposite side of the coast, but we're still being affected with tornadoes, which we had quite a few of yesterday yeah. in the area. So in that regard, with, from the Texas tornado, he brought up the concept. We mentioned it last week about the most embarrassed team in the National Football League and how they tend to respond really rather well the next week. Last week, we outlined, if you will, Victor, those embarrassed football teams. There were six of them. That could have made the list as the number one team that was most embarrassed last week. And what did they do? They went five and one against the spread in bounce back roles. I don't think I have to be any surprise at all if I mentioned to you the candidate who I think is obviously number one team this week, the most embarrassed team in the NFL, Victor, I would say would have to be the L.A. Chargers after last week. I would agree, Mark. They got outstanded at home against an upstart Jacksonville team by over 100 particular yards in that game. Uh, they're on the road this week against a Houston, Texas team, and we will definitely see how they rebound. And I want to throw out two teams who I believe should be embarrassed who played each other last week. And did you see that Sunday night game? If you did, there's a good chance that game probably put you to sleep. That's for sure. San Francisco and Denver, neither team had more than 260 yards of offense in the game. 
The final score was 11 to 10. That's some embarrassing football on Sunday night. In fact, both of those teams, Mark, I think should be embarrassed. That should have been the National Football League chess match of the week. <laughs> because that's Definitely. what it was. Oh, and one more thing, Mark. We've got to touch for a minute or two on this low-scoring season in the NFL. Yes. Now, last week, eight games went over. Eight games went under. One would think that doesn't mean anything, but it's all about the average points per game. And last week, the average points per game in the NFL was only 40.6. It was the lowest oh. scoring week of the season in the NFL. The last three weeks, now, week one, 42.1. Week two, 43.5. Week three, 40.6. Now, for comparison purposes, let's remember that last year in the NFL, the average points per game was 46.0. So we're down in the low 40s. That is significant. This is the lowest three-week total start in the NFL since all the way back in the 2008 season. So we're talking 14, 15 years. Ooh. We touched we touched base a little bit last week about some of the reasons for that low-scoring start in the NFL. And, in fact, let me check out the uh, totals here. They are on the season right now. Overall, 18 overs, 29 unders, 62% under the total. Here's another reason why we're seeing low-scoring games in the NFL is the fact that teams are running less offensive plays per game in the 2022 season. Over the last 15 years in the NFL, an average offense will get you 64 to 65 offensive plays per game. That's pretty much the average, right in the middle. However, in 2022, the numbers are down to only 62.3 offensive plays per game. And that may not seem a lot like a lot, but it definitely is. So on average, we're seeing approximately six to seven less total plays on offense per game than we are used to seeing. And it's another reason why it's been so low scoring after three weeks. Well, it didn't help at all, Victor, as you mentioned, that Sunday night clunker, if you will, between the 49ers and Broncos. San Francisco's sort of semi-famous for that because they love to run the football, which chews up the clock and makes their games more defensive and lower, short, shorter-scoring type football games. And, you know, there was an oddity also in that football game. I think we called it out in the newsletter this week. The final score of the game, 11-10. to 10. It's only the second time in NFL history that has there been a final score of 11 to 10. <laughs> I think of 11 to 10, I think about the vigorous in betting football or be betting games, but it was a final score in the National Football League that did indeed put me to sleep watching that football game. Hey, you're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's turn it over to our college football game of the week. And we've got a beauty on tap this week. We're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference where the Michigan Wolverines are going to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, Victor, this should be a heck of a football game, at least on paper anyway. Michigan going there, a powerhouse. Iowa, a little bit of a slow stutter start to the season here. How do you see the Wolves and the Hawkeyes shaking out on Saturday? Right, and in fact, we have talked about Iowa a little bit on the show in each of the last two weeks, and they're a very, very good defense, and they're a little bit of an inept offense. But the game is a 12 noon kickoff on Saturday. Michigan opened minus 10. I'm seeing they're up to about 11 as we speak. The over-under line opened at 43.5 points. It's down to about 42. 
So the early action has been toward the under, and that's kind of the way that we're leaning as well. After all, uh, both of these teams are one and three over under on the season. Three out of the last four meetings in this series have gone under the total with an average of only 32.5 combined points per game. And you know, Mark, this is also a rematch of last year's Big Ten championship game, the one that Michigan completely dominated and manhandled the Hawkeyes by the score of 42-3. to Now, obviously, we know that Michigan's got holes to fill on the defensive side. They lost Aiden Hutchinson to the NFL, but also defensive tackle uh, Chris Hinton as well. And those sacks won't be easy to replace. But even with all those losses in production, Michigan this year still has the second-best defensive grade in all of college football, and that's per football focus. So who has the highest defensive grade in college football, you ask? Well, that would I'll be ask. Iowa Hawkeyes. Indeed. There we go. <laughs> wow. But back to the Michigan offense. You know, they've, they've had the benefit of a skewed schedule and playing some of the worst defenses in college football to start the season. I mean, putting up, what, 7.4 to 7.5 yards per play is nice. But against Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut, and Maryland, I mean, that's really not that impressive. Uh, additionally, you know, Jim Harbaugh and company, they're playing really slow and really run heavy as well. They run a play every 28.01 seconds. That's ranked 104th in the country. That's slow. And in fact, they're actually carrying the ball, running the ball on 59% of their offensive plays. But uh, a lot has to do with the fact that they're blowing teams out. But, you know, establishing a consistent ground game is actually how you beat Iowa's defense. Trying to throw for big plays on the Hawkeyes secondary, that's pretty much a death sentence, I think. Dating back <laughs> to the start of last season, Iowa's allowing only 5.9 yards per passing attempt. That's a nice low number. And they rank in the top 10 in passing explosiveness allowed as well. So, you know, even if the Hawkeyes don't snag the turnovers, teams are still struggling to move the ball through the air on Iowa. And it's why they've given up only two offensive touchdowns in their four games thus far. Ooh. And as far as the Iowa offense, it's bad. They're only gaining 4.4 yards per play. They rank 130th in the country in expected points per play. And they even run at a slower pace than Michigan at 28.10 seconds per play. So, I mean, everything says a defensive slugfest in this game. I agree. I only have 36 to 37 total points projected for the game. So, Mark, for me, I like the value on under 42 points in this Big Ten game. A lot of cases for the under in this football game. Two really staunch defenses going toe-to-toe. That major revenge for Iowa, as you mentioned, Victor, from last year at home. This should be a heck of a football game, and I think it's must-watch television this week, Saturday, in college football. You're talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes, who got out to arguably the slowest start of any effort. 
FBS, at least any team that will be going bowling this year. Their first two football games were absolutely pathetic as far as offense is concerned. And they do have that nasty revenge chip from that 42-3 to loss in the title game last year to Michigan. You also take a look here that in their first four games this season, to add to Victor's case, the 23 points that they've allowed in those four games is the fewest for Iowa since 1966. That's how good this football defense for Iowa has been thus far this season. Here come the Michigan Wolverines in this football contest. In the series, the last six times they've been favored at Iowa in the series, they're 0-5-1 against the spread. Their last win here, you got to go back to 2005 to find the last time they won a football game in Iowa. And this record they've put up so far this football season has been literally against the Sisters of the Poor. I'm going to use the Iowa Hawkeyes in this football game. As you know, Victor was also a big play in the Playbook Football Newsletter this week. And I'm going to do it for the incredible stat in this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. And what it is is just simply, you look at Kirk Ferentz. He's lost in his last 57 football games. He's lost only two times by double digits. That makes him 55-2 and two to the number that he's being given in this football contest here. Give me Iowa plus the double digits for my side in this football game. And I say once again, you're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. We're being sponsored by our friends at mybookie.ag, where they'll offer you a double your first deposit bonus. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag to take advantage of that double your first deposit bonus at mybookie.ag. And with that, Victor, let's hop it over to the National Football League side of things for our NFL Game of the Week. And what do you say we go across the pond and hop over to England for the first of our international football games this season when the Minnesota Vikings take on New Orleans in London? Victor, how do you see this game shaping up over in London? Across the pond we go. That's definitely correct. And we talked a little bit last week about the fact that the International Series is back with five international games scheduled in the NFL uh, in this 2022 season. And this week it starts at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Now, this is the first and only stadium to be specifically designed for NFL games outside of North America. And, of course, in week four, it will be the New Orleans Saints taking on the Minnesota Vikings with the game opening at 44 and a half and it's down to 43 and a half as we speak. There's even a couple of 43s out there as well. Now what I uh, can tell you is that both of these teams on the season, that's the Vikings and the Saints are both one and two over under. Minnesota went, uh, let me see here, they went under the total against Green Bay in week one under the total in that Monday night game against Philadelphia in week two and over the total, but only by a half a point last week in that home game against the Detroit Lions. While New Orleans, let's see here, they started the season with a over the total division game on the road against Atlanta and they're off two unders in a row against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and last week against the Carolina Panthers as well. So again, both teams at one and two over under on the season now, what I can tell you about this Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is that four games have been played at this stadium thus far. And in fact, those four games have gone three and one over under 
with a pretty high average of 49.5 combined points per game. But before you run out and you decide to make a wager on the over, there are some additional numbers out of our database that actually might make you pause a little bit. It actually might make you go the other way. Since 2017, all regular season neutral site games have gone 67% under the total. That's 6-12 and 12 over under, 41.3 combined points per game. Now, again, we're talking about neutral site NFL regular season games. They could be in Europe. They could be in Mexico. They could even be a team that has their home game canceled because of weather and then plays it at somebody's uh, other stadium. Like hey, Victor, there'll be one playing this year. You'll be glad to know in Germany this year. One you, got, you, got, you got that right. We've got a game coming up in Germany. Uh, but I believe it is in uh, late October, and we're definitely going to be looking forward to that particular game as well. We also note, Mark, that the last 14 neutral site games played in week 11 or less with an over-under line of greater than 40. They've gone 2-12 and 12 over under, including 1-9, and 90% under in non-division play. So, yeah, we've got some conflicting trends in this one. We may consider the pass right now. But for me, here's a clincher, is that in all of these neutral site games, if it's a game involving two teams from the NFC conference, they've gone 1-9 and nine over under since 2005. Ooh. Only 37.3 points per game. If anything, it's going to be me playing the under in this particular game. Again, we think there's about four to five points of value with the Saints taking on the Vikings. Victor says, pass, probably lean under in this football game, in that game across the shore, this tea and crumpet games. It used to be played before the Queen, and they used to say long live the Queen in England, but unfortunately Queen Elizabeth has passed. She did live a long life, and I'm sure there'll be a tribute to her in this football game at some point during the football contest. And a quick note to our listeners out there that this game does start at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, so it's an early start. If you have interest in the game, you'll want to note that. And also, if you're in any contests or pools where you have to have your play submitted on Sundays, you have to get this game in early and get all your plays because it is indeed a 9.30 a.m. Eastern start. Take a look at the Minnesota Vikings in this football game. They rallied late last week to beat the Lions. In fact, they were sitting on knocking a lot of people out of the survivor pool in Las Vegas at the circuit. We'll talk with Andy Isco about that in just a moment or so. But they did rally to beat the Lions in that football game. They won the game and were another one of those teams that lost the stats in the process. They've also lost the money in four of the last five games against teams out of the NFC South. And you look at the stats inside of Minnesota this year, they're just one and two against uh, inside the numbers here. They've only won one football game in the yards. They're losing stats an average of 70 net yards per game. For the New Orleans Saints, they come into the contest here with 91 yards a game, the better defense in this contest. They lost against Carolina last week, but they drilled the Panthers in the stats. They were one of those teams, I mentioned that, lost the game and won by over 100 yards in the stats. New Orleans outyarded Carolina 426 to 293 yards last week. You know, there have been a total of 18 games in the National Football League this year that have been decided by three or fewer points. And this game, to me personally, has that look all about it. A low-scoring, tight football game. 
And here's the clincher that gets me over to the New Orleans side of the football game that comes out of our well-oiled machine. Basically, what it amounts to is teams that have gone to London that are coming in off a straight-up favorite loss in their previous game. There have been 11 of them. They went 7-3-1 straight up and 8-3 and against the spread. And if they happen to be off a loss of a dozen or less points, how about 6-0-1 oh, straight up and 7-0 and oh against the spread? That favors New Orleans in the football game, and so do the stats in this contest. With that, I'll play New Orleans over Minnesota for my side in this London-England football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And it's time for us to hop out to Las Vegas as we get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I hope everything's going well for you in Las Vegas, and I don't think there's any threat of a hurricane in Las Vegas this weekend. No, although, Mark, uh, this morning as uh, we got set to record the podcast, we did have some very heavy thunder showers, which is unusual for this time of the year in Las Vegas. Unfortunately, they occurred between 3 and 6 a.m. Pacific time, so uh, I wasn't uh, involved, although getting up at 6.30 Pacific time will do me well for that Sunday game in London, which starts at 6.30 a.m. Uh, Pacific time and speaking of London two points about uh, London and the the game you and Victor were just discussing I wonder how long it'll be if it hasn't happened already that the New York uh, Post uh, one of the uh, more entertaining newspapers that's been around for a few hundred years uh, will begin referring to the new king of England as a King Chuck the third instead of King Charles the <laughs> third and getting back more style. importantly yeah. towards football uh, I wonder what uh, the New Orleans Saints did to get the schedule that the NFL gave them this year. They opened with three consecutive division rivals, two of which are on the road, and now they have to travel over to London. So, you know, maybe that was just a little extra something from uh, uh, Sean, po Sean Payton and um, Bounty Gate, now that he's no longer there, but uh, that issue, I guess, never resolved. Because that's a, I can't remember a team opening with this brutal a schedule, so it will be interesting to see how the uh, Saints respond uh, and maybe just give it to the NFL for, I think, I think has to be generally agreed as unfair treatment. I might think, Andy, that uh, you could also throw into the mix of that argument the Kansas City Chiefs, who have a little bit of a daunting schedule to open the season this year, as well as their first eight games are all against teams that were in the playoffs or playoff eligible last football season. So nonetheless, uh, there are some teams that can obviously make that claim about being slighted by the NFL in terms of schedule making in New Orleans certainly has to be one of those teams. Can We're I throw my two cents, guys, real quick on this? Yes. Uh, what, uh, in, in also in regards to this particular game, you know, these uh, international games, they usually accompany a team taking a week of rest afterwards. But it's not the case in this game either. So uh, talk about getting screwed by the schedule makers. The Saints or the Vikings, neither team has a bye next week either. Yeah, I, I would say they should either get a bye before the game or after or the after. game. You know, one or the other. I think the NFL really needs to address that from, you know, you play a 17-game schedule. That's a that's the shortest by far of any uh, professional sport, college sport for that matter as well. Uh, you know, college football also playing very short, is that each game becomes so important and you really do the teams and their fans at this service by putting them in situations where they're traveling several thousand miles and they don't have any rest before 
or after. That's a lot different than playing on a Thursday night when you're just right. traveling within the United States. So, Victor, I think you make a very good point, and I really believe the NFL should do a much better job at uh, when they prepare their schedule to uh, consider the overall impacts and what it does on the product. Andy, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe I read somewhere where teams who come back from London and are playing without rest that was a voluntary choice made by the team. I think they have the option to, yes, declare that we want to have a week of rest afterwards, or if we do not, they'll be scheduled as such. I believe that's the case. And if it is, uh, I find it surprising that both of these teams would say, no, we don't want rest. I, I recall something along those lines, yeah. too, and I believe, if uh, and you might be aware of it because it affected the Dolphins, I think within the last year or two, Miami did agree to that, but I think most teams did not. So I think that even if the NFL, uh, you know, and maybe it had to do with the way that their schedule set up, but I think that for fairness overall, um, that they really just should not. I think it also increases the risk of injury uh, due to all that travel and the uh, uh, things involved uh, related to distractions. I can assure you that both of these teams probably said no for one simple reason. It's just that they did not want to take their week of rest this early in the season. They would probably much prefer it later on in the season when it perhaps could arguably be more useful. You know, we'll find that out. But uh, anyway, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 6.30 in Las Vegas for Andy to set that alarm clock to get up and watch this football game coming. That's from assuming London. I don't stay up all night. <laughs> That's a good. That could be a good assumption as well. <laughs> Depends on how Saturday's games go, I suppose. I would think so too. Well, Andy, as we always customarily do on the show this week, uh, I know it, the contests have been never more popular than they are right now in Las Vegas these days. And if you could, if you could do our listeners a favor and bring us up to speed on what's happening as far as the contests in Las Vegas are concerned through last week. Sure, I'll go. I'll go through the contests in the order of uh, start with the Golden Nugget. That's the one contest that combines college and pros. Uh, the uh, entry fee, a thousand dollars. You pick seven games per week over the course of the entirety of the actually what the NFL season is. So it's an eighteen-week contest. Uh, only one hundred and twenty-eight entrants this year, so it's a very competitive field. Uh, we have one leader so far who as is at uh, fifteen five and one through three weeks of that contest. That's a winning percentage of 75%, and uh, they do it in terms of points, one point for a win, half point for a push. So that uh, contestant is at 15 and a half points. There are 10 contestants right behind at 15 and six, another three at 14, six and one, and another six at 14 and seven. And then it goes down steadily from there. So that's the Golden Nugget College and Pro Contest. And I've, as I've mentioned in the past, it does draw a lot of attention from those betters and handicappers who concentrate almost exclusively, if not exclusively, on college football. They do present the entire board. In fact, uh, you can even play the Thursday and Friday night uh, games in the colleges as well as the NFL Thursday night football. So that contest uh, has been popular, and it's been a very uh, sharp contest as far as drawing some of the more sophisticated and successful college players here in Las Vegas and, of course, because proxies are available uh, elsewhere around the nation when they uh, when they come into Vegas and sign up. So that's the, the one high-end college football contest that uh, we like to keep track of. Looking at the uh, Westgate contest, we've got the Westgate uh, Super Contest Classic and the Super Contest Gold. The difference being the entry fee, the Super Contest Classic, a $1,000 entry fee. 
the gold, a $5,000 entry fee. 30 places get paid for the full season contest and the super contest classic. Plus, there are in-season uh, mini contests, three, six, and nine-week versions in the gold, winner take all. So uh, with uh, their 80 contestants last year, that's a $400,000 uh, prize going to one individual. I do believe there are tiebreakers, so it will be one individual, unlike uh, the Survivor Contest, where uh, they split the winning pot uh, in that contest amongst all those who uh, end up being eliminated at the uh, at the same time and are the last ones remaining. Looking at the Super Contest Gold, there is one leader at 13-2 and two for the season, 11 more at 12-3, and three, and 10 are at 11-4. and four. In fact, more than half the field, a total of uh, about I think it's 49 if I've got it correctly 48 who are hitting at nine and six or 60 percent of better out of the 80 contestants so that's a nice start for those contestants especially given some of the surprises we've seen and Mark as you mentioned those 18 games that have been decided by three points or less uh, through three weeks so we've only been 48 games so more than a third of all those games have been decided by that small margin looking at the super contest uh, classic uh, that's uh, the format, by the way, for both contests for listeners and viewers who are not familiar. You pick five games per week in each contest or in either contest, uh, whichever one you're in. You may be in both uh, against a static point spread. Generally, the point spread as of late afternoon on Wednesdays here in Las Vegas at the Westgate. You make four picks a week each week for the 18 week regular season. Coming into uh, last week, week three, the consensus of the top five selections in the Westgate Super Contest was a nice six and four, three and two each of the first two weeks. Bettered that this past week, they went four and one as the top five plays included Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Miami. In fact, those were the top four plays. They were all successful. The one loser was Sunday night. Uh, with San Francisco, uh, who had 442 of the 1598. Number one play was Jacksonville, who had 616 of the 1598, picking the Jaguars in what may have been the most impressive effort of week three in the NFL. Uh, I, I will, as just an editorial comment, Jaguars look like a football team this year. That's, uh, <laughs> yes. that's nice. We'll see how they fare this week when they go up against uh, one of the two 3-0 and teams in Philadelphia. Yeah. Anyway, the consensus 4-1 and last week, bringing the record for the season to a nice 67% of 10-5 and ATS. Now, looking at the two contests sponsored by the Circa uh, Hotel and Casino, uh, the Circa Survivor is uh, – uh, rapidly gaining uh, popularity. They have a $6 million guarantee. It's a $1,000 entry fee. You pick one team a week just to win the game straight up. If you win, you advance to the next week. If you lose or tie, you are eliminated. Uh, they need they guaranteed $6 million as far as the prize to go to, that, uh, to those who end up uh, being the last survivors. Uh, they exceeded that slightly, so no overlay in this contest this year. 6,133. Uh, uh, contestants entered um, more than half the field was knocked out in that wild week one uh, heading into week number three uh, roughly a third of the contest uh, contestants remain 2012 and uh, it was a pretty decent week for those only 462 were eliminated leaving 1550 remaining in the contest that's about 25 percent of the field eliminated in just the uh, first three weeks of the top five selections last week Picks one, two, four, and five, all one. The Bengals, the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Browns. The one team amongst the top five that was eliminated was the number three choice, the Kansas City Chiefs. That uh, that loss by the Chiefs eliminated 260 of the contestants. 
followed by 128 who were eliminated uh, with the uh, Chargers. And then there were a total of uh, nine more teams that were that had uh, 20 or fewer votes, actually 16 or fewer uh, selections uh, on their behalf. Uh, topped by the uh, Ravens, 49ers, and Buffalo, who had 16, 13, and 10 contestants, respectively. And surprisingly, 11 contestants were eliminated because they failed to uh, submit a selection. So overall for the week, 462 contestants or entries eliminated, uh, leaving just 1,550 remaining, as I mentioned, uh, 25, uh, just barely over 25% of the field still remaining. Then we get to uh, their other popular contest, which actually caused the Westgate to make some changes uh, with uh, with their contest, the Circa Million. That also carries a guarantee. This year, it's also, like the Survivor, a $6 million guarantee. But unlike the Survivor, Derek Stevens and the folks at Circa are going to have to make up part of that $6 million. So it turned out to be a nice overlay of almost a million and a half uh, dollars uh, for the uh, for the Circa Millions as they had uh, slightly under about I think about 4,600 and change entries this year. Again, $1,000 entry fee. Pick five games a week, much along the format of the uh, Westgate Super Contest. Uh, the consensus coming into last week, week three, was six and four. Again, three and two each of the first two weeks. And the Circa Millions contestant uh, matched that, uh, uh, that record uh, with uh, uh, three and two. The uh, winners last week were the number one selection, Jacksonville, uh, 1,884 of the six of the uh, 4,600 plus uh, contestants or entries had the Jags on their ticket. Note, it should be noted that that was an interesting game, and a lot of people just played the significant line move. When it was first thought that uh, um, Justin Herbert would be out or extremely limited for the uh, uh, for the Chargers, the line, which was the contest line of seven, they were favored by seven, dropped down to minus three, three and a half. Obviously, we saw that Herbert did start, and actually the line closed in that game with the Chargers about a six and a half point favor. But still, a lot of contestants uh, wisely took the plus seven in that game. And, of course, they they didn't need that. They could have laid seven. They could have laid 17. They would have covered uh, the Jaguars did. Anyway, Jacksonville, the number one choice, was a winner. The number three choice, Baltimore, uh, covered their game against the uh, Patriots and their win. And the Atlanta Falcons, the fifth most popular selection, uh, covered their game up in Seattle. The two losers, the number two choice 49ers and the number four choice Kansas City, uh, that uh, resulted in a three and two week. So for the year, the contestants are uh, nine and six uh, in the uh, Circa Millions, the, con- the consensus rather. I, did, I failed to mention the uh, standings for the Super Contest, so let me go back to uh, that for a moment. Three contestants are in the lead at 14 and one. Another 21 or 13 and two, and 53 more are 12 and three. Uh, in the Circa Survivor, which of course has uh, more than twice as many entries as the uh, uh, Super Contest, in fact, nearly three times as many, two contestants uh, are unscathed through three weeks of play, a perfect 15 and 0 against the point spread. Another <laughs> dozen are 14 and 1, 51 are 13 and 2, and 159 are 12 and 3. So a good start at the top of the uh, Circa Millions contestant uh, contest for the uh, uh, the week. Uh, the, uh, I believe it's a $100,000 first place booby prize for the worst record for the season in the Circa Millions contest. Uh, one person is um, uh, 1 and 14, so they're off to a very good – I'm sorry, two people, 2 and 14 – uh, another 19 people are 2 and 13, so uh, they've uh, given up the, uh, largely their chances of winning the $1 million first place prize in the main contest. 
But if you end up with the worst record, I think it's $100,000 for first uh, and uh, $50,000 for second along those lines. So uh, two down and 16 to go to prove yourself the worst of the worst. Andy, I like how you put it. Uh, a couple of people were off to a very good 1-14 start <laughs> for the yes. booby prize. If, if, uh, I don't know if that was their goal, but I will say something. And actually, when you think about it, of course, the prize structure is a lot different. You're only going to have two winners, but you're going up largely against a smaller field if you're trying to pick losers than you are if you're trying to pick winners. Sure. But, of course, that's also compensated for by the fact that you pick the winners, the top 100 get paid. If you pick losers, only the top two. But again, then again, it's a, a smaller field. We used to have a contest here in uh, Vegas run by Station Casinos. It was a free contest, and you picked um, – Every game uh, of the week against, uh, I think no, I think it was straight up, not against the point red. And the first place prize was a new house worth, I think, like 250000 And the first place prize for most losers was the same $250,000 uh, house. And they had a very similar prize structure. So basically, uh, if you finished in the uh, 30th place, I, I think they still paid more for the winners, but they paid enough places for the losers that it actually made sense from the outset to go for the losers because 80 to 85 percent of the contestants most likely would be going for most winners leaving only 15 percent of the contestants looking for the uh, most losers which by the way is not as easy as you as one might think well you mentioned those houses and you might think that the the winner might have that house might have had a penthouse and the losers might have had an outhouse but outhouse. <laughs> or a basement <laughs> or, exactly uh, also, you mentioned 15-0 and 0, the first three weeks of the circuit contest, uh, obviously in the running for that first quarter prize. Remember last year, I was fortunate enough with my partner to go 14-1 in the Superbook, and we won the first three weeks. But now it's 15-0 and 0 in the circuit. That's pretty nice. And the question is, probably 19-1 might be good enough to win that first quarter prize. Would that be your guess? I would well. I think last year. I know I was also in contention for the first week prize uh, for the first quarter prize, and I think I ended up seventeen and three. Oh. And I knew I couldn't catch whoever was eighteen and two. I believe eighteen and two won it last year, if I'm not mistaken. You you would remember, of course. Uh, but I would say eighteen and two would would get you cash. I think they pay five places this year instead of just three for the uh, quarterly prizes. So I would say eighteen and two probably would cash. Nineteen and one. Could win it, except that there's somebody out there at 15 and 0. We already had last year going into week four. We had uh, at least uh, at least one or two contestants with at least one loss, so we knew that it would take 19 and 1 or 18 to 2, 18 and 2 to win. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the finest weekly football newsletters in the country. If you want to put that newsletter in your arsenal this football season, log on at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas to get all the information for that great weekly publication. Andy, before I let you go on the show this week, I know you had a nice winning play last week with the Carolina Panthers in your free pick selections on the show here. Now, our listeners would like to know what you bet on tap this week in the NFL. It's a very interesting week. In fact, actually, the first three weeks have been very interesting. But what makes this week very interesting are the number of low point spread games with the uh, lines of under a field goal or right at a field goal, meaning that for the most part, you're looking to pick the winners of the game. 
Uh, one and two points do come into play on occasion. Of course, uh, three is still a very key number. That ends up, it ends up about 15% of the time uh, games land on three. But keep in mind that a portion of that 15% uh, involves the underdog winning the game by three. So the points don't really matter in that one. It's the situation where the favorites win by exactly three that you're concerned about. And that's about eight and a half to nine percent uh, historically going back about 20 years since uh, you know I used to use uh, several points of demarcation as far as my database goes back and I used to use 1991 as the start well I went before that but 1991 when they changed the playoff structure to add a couple of additional wild cards and then more reason now we're talking 30 years ago so now I'm using more uh, the uh, 2002 as the line of demarcation that's when the NFL last expanded, made it to the nice number of 32 teams and realigned some of the division. It used to be five and six team divisions. Now it's uh, eight divisions of four teams each. So I'm using data now uh, for uh, uh, it's, it's still 21 seasons right now. 2002. This is the 20 uh, uh, first season, uh, second season. Uh, no, first 21st season of uh, the, uh, the that uh current divisional realignment. Uh, this week, I'm going to go to one of those short-priced favorites, home favorite, and I'm going to stick here in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that received a lot of uh, hype prior to the season uh, beginning. And uh, when you look at it, uh, the Raiders actually have, uh, you know, they're four and three. Unfortunately, the four wins all came in preseason. It doesn't count for much and may very well demonstrate the value of relying on what you see in the preseason as far as forecasting a team's uh, uh, progress. I mean, I, I I don't recall exactly, but I think the year the Detroit Lions went 0-14, I think they also had a very successful uh, preseason that year. Uh, I'm not suggesting the Vegas uh, uh, is going to go 0-17 uh, uh, now. Uh, in fact, I think they get their first win this week against the Denver Broncos. You know, the, the Vegas, yeah, they're 0-3. They were in position against uh, the Chargers when they lost 29-24 in the opener. They had that huge 20 to nothing lead in week two at home against Arizona when they uh, lost in overtime after a fumbled uh, uh, reception that could have set up a winning field goal for the Raiders. Ended up being returned for uh, the game-winning touchdown for Arizona, 29 uh, 23 in that one. And then last week, um, they gave up 24 first half points to the Tennessee Titans and the Titans never scored again in the second half. Wow. So f f the Raiders were kind of interesting. They, uh, gave up nothing in the first half of uh, week two's game against Arizona and nothing in, uh, the second half of last week's game against Tennessee. It was a second half of Arizona and the first half of Tennessee last week that did them in, uh, they're going up against the Denver team that, um, uh, has, has struggled early on with their offense. We all thought Russell Wilson would make a huge difference, and maybe ultimately he will be, but they haven't really been productive. Uh, you take a look, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, but they've been able to move the football, gaining an awful lot of yards, but they've not been able to turn those yards into, point, and that's in, into points, and that's something I cover uh, in, my, uh, in, in the newsletter next week when I talk about it. I call it the X factor, and it basically is a measure of efficiency. It sort of encompasses uh, the kicking game, uh, the defense turnovers, Etc. where you would think, and again, logic doesn't always hold true, but you would think if you gain the most yards, you should be right up there in scoring the most points. But that's not the case. And Denver's one of those teams where they've managed to gain a lot of yards or allow a very few yards, but that's not in line with where they rank as far as uh, uh, points scored and allowed. Uh, they've been very, very solid on defense. You can take a look at their their first three games. They've not given up very much at all defensively. Uh, they've played a pretty decent schedule. 
the Raiders, um, somewhat of a, a schedule as well. I mean, you look at the, who the Raiders played this year. You play, they played a pair of, of playoff teams from last year in, ten, in, in, in Tennessee and Arizona, and then a, a Charger team that they eliminated on the final Sunday night of the season when a tie would have gotten them both in at 9-8. and eight. Uh, uh, Chargers 9-8 and eight and the Raiders 10-7. Uh, and seven. So I'm going to look for the Raiders to finally put it all together. They've played very well for most of the game. Momentary lapses have hurt them, and I think they're going up against a, uh, a Denver team that uh, I was not very uh, bear, uh, excuse me, not very bullish on. I was more bearish on Denver coming into the season. Remains to be seen if I'll be correct on that. But it's also an important game that um, uh, the Raiders need to uh, get a key win at a, a key divisional win at home. I think they get it this week. Laying anything under three currently, I'm saying two and two and a half. Um, I'm on the Raiders. And uh, uh, for uh, one of uh, you gentlemen there, I, this is not a homer pick because I've been against the Raiders this year in the first three weeks. Well, believe me, we know it's not a homer pick for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not at all in your arsenal for sure. So I'm going to put Andy Isco down for the Las Vegas Raiders for his complimentary play on the football card this week. And Andy, as always, a great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you nothing but success this week, and we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thank you, Mark, and I hope you and all your fellow Floridians are spared uh, a lot of uh, uh, damage and uh, uncomfortable situations with uh, Hurricane Ian, and I uh, wish all the listeners and viewers a successful weekend as well. That was Andy Isco Thanks, joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for our weekly Vegas Vibe before I get to my awesome angle of the week on the show this week, Jim Feist, my good friend, also from Las Vegas, has got a complimentary play he wants to share with you on this weekend's card. Jim, take it away. Hello, everybody. Jim Feist in Las Vegas for Playbook Experts. This week, I have a free play, and I'm giving it to you right now. USC laying a big number, 24 and a half, 25. And I think this is going to be a real easy blowout, probably covered by halftime. That's USC in college football, absolutely free. And make sure you copy the link at the bottom of the screen. That's pb.buzz, B-U-Z-Z, forward slash J-F, to get all my plays for this weekend. And thank you, and good luck. Thanks. That was Jim's complimentary play on the football card this weekend, and you can get all of Jim's plays online at the playbooksports.com website. Simply log on at pb.buzz, B-U-Z-Z, forward slash J-F to get all of Jim Feist's selections in time for this weekend's football games. And with that, let's hop over to our awesome angle of the week on the show this week. And we're going to go once again directly to our Playbook Football Newsletter Smart Box portion. Our awesome angle this week is called Fraction Up. And what we're looking to do this week is to play on any college football home team in Game 4 that is 1-2 exactly on the season and is coming off a win. We do that because these teams since 1980 are 14-3 against the spread. Our freshen up play in college football this week will be on Army this Saturday against Georgia Southern. That's Army for our awesome angle play on the show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out exactly what Victor's got on tap this week. And Victor, if you would, share with our listeners your complimentary play as well. 
Mark, we've got a free play in the NFL this week for week four before I get to that selection. We've got to talk about this great newsletter promotion we got right now where you can get all three of our playbook newsletters. That's the playbook, the midweek alert newsletter, and the totals tip sheet newsletter. You can get all three for $25. The cover price is $42. But again, you can get all three of those playbook publications for just $25 at playbooksports.com and for our free play this week we're going to talk about the fact that Tuchel's a little angry and his master is a little angry that's because we were on the Panthers Saints last week for our free play that came over the total not only that but Tuchel had his team total on the Saints over their team total and didn't get it why not we don't know Jameis Winston threw for over 350 yards. He threw over 41 times. The Saints outstatted the Panthers by over 100 yards, yet they managed only 14 points. So with that said, we're talking about a, an angry puppy dog this week, and that would be our boy Tuco, and that's going to be our free play. Tuco's team total of the week is the Buffalo Bills to go over 27 and a half points. They're on the road this particular week, and they are playing the Baltimore Ravens. It's the big one in the NFL, and the timing is perfect for this one as well. You know, Buffalo got held to only 19 points last week, despite accumulating a league-best 497 yards of offense. Not only that, but the Bills got to really be licking their chops this week. They get to face the team that had the league's worst home passing defense last year as Baltimore allowed 282 yards per game through the air at M&T Bank Stadium. And guess who's the worst defense already in this short 2022 season? That's right, the Baltimore Ravens. They're allowing 457 freaking yards per game. They're dead last in the NFL all Buffalo has to basically be is average in this one. They were already the league's number one scoring offense on the road last year, averaging 31.3 points per game. And in 2022, they're calling the league's past heaviest offense as well. So after running an amazing 90 offensive plays last week, the law of averages says some quick, cheap points are in order this week as positive regression kicks in. And incidentally, that's Tuco's favorite new two words, positive regression for the Buffalo Bills this week. You know, last season in the NFL, road favorites of greater than two points with a high over-underline of 51 or more, like the Bills, this week averaged 31.1 points per game. We got a pissed-off Bills team they should easily rebound with 30 or more points in week four action. That is your team total of the week, courtesy of King's best friend, Tuco. Buffalo Bills over their team total of 27 and a half points. Now, Mark, we have not come out with a five-star best bet yet this season in the NFL, our King Creole service. We've got one this week. It's an over-under. It's a game that should be a shootout. It's a game in which we are going over. It's our five-star NFL game of the month. Again, it's an over, and it will be available 
right here at the playbooksports.com website on Friday evening. You're definitely going to want to check that one out. And speaking of big games in the NFL, Mark, I believe you've got one going this weekend for week four action also. You mentioned about a big play this weekend, Victor. I'm doing a $99 football weekend of winners, and it features my NFL revenge game of the month this Sunday. As you know, as Victor mentioned earlier on the show, we come off a dynamite weekend last weekend, 6-0 and on all of our late telephone service selection plays. We've got another beautiful weekend on tap this weekend. It'll feature that NFL revenge game of the month. You can get it online at playbooksports.com or give my office a call toll-free. The number is 800-321-7777. You'll be glad you made that call for our NFL Revenge Game of the Month weekend of winners. And with that, I'm going to close out the show here with my complimentary play on the football card this week. And it comes again from our Playbook Football Newsletter, directly from our featured Playbook Upset Special of the Week. That happens to be the Purdue Boilermakers taking the double-digit points against Minnesota this week. Coming into the contest here, Minnesota's on a real nice winning run going back to last year. They've won seven straight games in a row, 6-0-1 against the spread, and they're being priced accordingly because of that success. I like to take advantage of situations like that with what we call value. You bring the Purdue Boilermakers into this contest with head coach Jeff Brom. He's 9-3 and three against the spread when he's playing with conference revenge. Brom is also 20-6 and six to the spread as a dog of four or more points, including a perfect 11-0 to the number when he's not coming off that double-digit win. With that, we're going to grab the points with Purdue for our complimentary play on the football card this weekend. And that's going to fight the final reps on this show here for Mark Lawrence against the spread. I'm going to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creel Sports for another great job on the show this week. Our good buddy Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for the weekly Vegas Vibe. And until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs>